It's Friday, August 12th. I'm Pam Jones. Baltimore County's top watchdog is getting more support amid scrutiny from the county council. We'll take a deep dive into the job of the county's inspector general's office. As students return to school in the coming weeks, there might not be enough teachers in the classroom. So schools are looking to recruit thousands of substitutes. Baltimore prosecutor Marilyn Mosby faces a $1,500 fine after a judge ruled she violated a gag order. And a new look is on the way for downtown Essex. It's the Daily Dose from WIPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. A group of independent truck drivers picketed outside of the Port of Baltimore Thursday. They say they want all hours paid for all hours worked. Drivers said they have to wait for hours for the port workers to load trucks and are not paid for time spent waiting. The long wait increases overall operating cost and delays deliveries, which means more expensive consumer products. Truck drivers say they want a grievance process to handle disputes with port management and faster loading of cargo. A 26-year-old woman is accused of firing a BB gun at members of the Baltimore City Fire Department. Maryland State Police and U.S. Marshals arrested Alicia Williams at her home in Catonsville. She's charged with first and second degree assault, reckless endangerment, and discharging a BB gun in connection with the August 8th incident that happened in the Westport community. Two firefighters were injured in that incident. While there are fewer homes along the 700 block of East North Avenue in Baltimore City, work crews demolished several homes after a sinkhole threatened structural integrity and safety. Officials say the stretch of East North Avenue will remain closed as crews continue to demolish the homes and repair the sinkhole. Motorists are being encouraged to avoid the area while work on cleaning up the mess continues. There's no immediate word on what caused the sinkhole to form, and officials say the homes were demolished before becoming a risk to the public. Maryland State Department of Health is reporting 1,940 new cases of COVID-19. The positivity rate is now 11.05% and 628 people are in area hospitals. Baltimore County's Office of Inspector General, which roots out fraud, waste, and abuse in county government, is about to double in size. At the same time, it's being scrutinized by a commission tasked to recommend changes to how the office operates. WIPR's John Lee reports that what's at stake is whether the county's watchdog will be leashed. To get to Inspector General Kelly Madigan's office, you have to go down several stairwells and through a few locked doors that take you to the underground tunnel that runs from the historic courthouse in Towson. This way would take you all the way to circuit court. Um, there are signs. I got these recently. You need those signs to find her office. So here's the space. Madigan says she wanted an office that was private, centrally located, and hard to find. Check, check, and check. So it's a small space, mm -hmm. we have room to grow. Room to grow, a couple places over here. A couple places over here. Madigan's going to need that space because she's hiring three new people, including two investigators, which will increase the size of her office to six. I would love to have all three of them in place by September 1. I mean, maybe that is wishful thinking. 
With the larger inspector general's office, county officials could find themselves under even greater scrutiny. They have already at times bristled over Madigan's investigations. When she reported that the county inadvertently missed giving 838 of its employees a promised 2% raise, County Administrative Officer Stacy Rogers questioned whether Madigan had the authority to look into what was just an operational snafu. Madigan countered that part of her job is to provide accountability and oversight of county government. The end result is that the employees are going to get their raise. I think, absent the tone of the response from the administration, that that is a success for Baltimore County government. That is a success for the Office of the Inspector General. Also, WIPR obtained emails between Madigan and County Executive Johnny Oshevsky's Chief of Staff, Patrick Murray, that revealed an attempt in April of 2021 to restrict Madigan's access to records. Oshevsky, who created the Inspector General position, says differences of opinions are part of the process. I am committed to transparency. I'm committed to accountability. It's why we introduced and created the office in the first place. It's why I have grown the office literally every year I've been in office. In the past year, Madigan pointed out an enforcement flaw in the county charter. Councilwoman Kathy Bevins violated the charter when she moved out of her council district but was not forced to give up her office. Bevins decided not to run for another term. Madigan tagged County Council Chairman Julian Jones for violating the county's electronic communications policy by asking for campaign contributions using a county email address. Jones says it was an honest mistake and Madigan's investigation went too far. It didn't call for her to review all of my emails for over a year. It didn't call for her to go through months of investigation. All it meant was a phone call. Hey, did you know this? Hey, I didn't know that. I'll take care of it right away. It was those two council members, Bevins and Jones, who last year called for an oversight board for the inspector general. Everyone should be accountable to someone. And I just think that when you have people anyone that is not accountable to someone else, you you have the ingredients for abuse. Localities differ on whether an oversight board is needed. In Baltimore City, the inspector general has one. City residents this fall will decide whether to approve a charter amendment that would remove elected officials from the board. By comparison, Montgomery County's inspector general, Megan Lamarzi, does not have an oversight board, but she says her office remains accountable and responsible to the taxpayers. We put forth information that is in encouraging the transparency and accountability of county government. Last July, Oshevsky proposed an oversight board for the inspector general. That idea was rejected by both Madigan and council members because it would have been packed with political appointees. Oshevsky then named a blue ribbon commission to examine the county's ethics laws and the office of inspector general. It began meeting in June and is expected to issue a final report in January. Madigan recently appeared before that commission and mostly praised the current statute that set up the office before she took it over in January 2020. Under the statute, there is no oversight board. The inspector general also has unfettered access to county records and subpoena power. The inspector general needs to be independent, as disentangled as possible from county officials, the very people the office may investigate. Madigan told the commission one way the statute falls short of that is that she has to use the county's office of law for legal counsel. While they are the lawyer to all of Baltimore County, the county attorney reports directly serves at the pleasure of the county executive. 
And there have been scenarios where I have disagreed with the administration and the Office of Law has been representing the administration. Another issue is that every year at budget time, Madigan has to go hat in hand to the council and the county executive. Again, the very people she may need to investigate to fund her office. She said a different approach would be to dedicate a fixed percentage of the county's overall budget to her office. Madigan has calculated that her office costs each county resident 42 cents a year. She shied away from estimating how much her office has saved the county in uncovering waste and fraud. Instead, she says there's value in having an ethical government. She points to her report in June that shows prominent developer David Cordish received preferential treatment from the county for a proposed tennis facility on his property. There's no financial aspect to that report, but that report certainly sheds light John Lauria, a member of that Blue Ribbon Commission, said it would be a slippery slope to incentivize the inspector general's investigations. In an ideal world, if you could imagine an ideal world like this, it would be, we don't care if you succeed or fail as the IG, just do your job and we'll give you the money. Montgomery County has had an inspector general's office since 1997. Inspector General Lamarzi says Madigan is in a difficult position, creating an office from scratch while learning how to work with county officials who are not used to having someone looking over their shoulders. When everyone sort of steps back and sees the role that an, an inspector general's office can provide, it really can benefit everyone. Besides being inspector general, Madigan also tracks lobbyists and handles ethics training for the county's 8,700 employees. John Lee, WIPR News. Maryland school districts are looking to recruit thousands of substitutes to fill the teacher gap this month. More than 5,000 teachers statewide are not returning to the classroom this fall. Those who are going back to school worry about bigger class sizes making effective instruction more difficult. WIPR's Jacana Collier reports how schools in the Baltimore region are coping with that harsh reality. Teachers in the Baltimore region said understaffed schools predate the pandemic, but the influx of vacancies raised concerns about classroom sizes and coverage this school year. Chris Patterson, a Baltimore City math and science teacher, worries that larger classes will risk student safety and impact the quality of education. But when there are 45 kids and 50 kids in the room, there's no way one person can accommodate and or assist effectively in that space. There's no learning going on. Teacher is not doing their job. They are now just maintaining the space. And that is my fear. The Maryland State Department of Education data shows that more than 5,000 teachers left positions in 2022. Cindy Sexton, president of the Teachers Association of Baltimore County, said there just aren't enough teachers. It's very, very concerning. We need to educate our students, and we just are not going to have enough people to do that. And we just really need to work to change that tide. And unfortunately, it's not going to be a one-year fix. Chief of Staff at Baltimore City Public Schools, Allison Perkins-Cohen, said the district normally has close to 700 vacancies, but this year was different. This year, we started the year with 1,300 vacancies because schools were able to create new vacancies with that additional Kerwin funding to provide the kinds of programming our young people should have had for years. So more arts programming, wider range of science, math, history programming. 
She said city schools are prioritizing critical roles such as world languages, math, English, and history teachers over newly developed positions. While the system has filled about half of vacancies, like many schools, they will start the school year understaffed and will rely on substitute teachers, community partners, and other alternatives. There could be situations too where if we really have some key classes in a schedule that we need to cover, uh, we may need to also look to see if there are folks in the central office who could cover some of those classes too. Creating a strong pool of substitute teachers is also Baltimore County Public Schools' plan to deal with the shortage. This year, they tapped Kelly Education, a staffing agency, to help recruit about 1,000 subs. Sexton said substitute teachers have always been the go-to for openings. Some substitutes are former teachers, and they, are, they know the craft, they know the profession, they know the, the curriculum, but many don't. So it's not the same as having a certified educator in that room. Kelly Education's president, Nicola Suarez, said the country is seeing a massive exodus of full-time professional teachers. And while subs are the solution, they aren't the answer. We need to ask the question, why do we not have students entering into the teaching profession enough? Or why do we have our teachers leaving the teaching profession? How do we combat that? Sexton said salary increases would make a difference, but workload is also a factor because it keeps growing and the pace is unsustainable. She suggests that administrators decrease the number of meetings and energy-intensive evaluations so teachers can focus on academic needs and the mental health of students and themselves. Patterson said the pandemic highlighted the importance of teachers. And now that teachers are aware of their value and the true power they hold, they are stepping out on faith and chance and just taking a chance at something new because what, what we're doing is not working. I'm Shekinah Collier, WIPR News. Baltimore County's community of Essex is getting another influx of grant money for its struggling downtown district. The county has already spent millions to boost the local economy, and officials tout that the investments are already paying off. Baltimore County Executive Johnny Oshevsky says he's confident that incremental improvements will add up. I think the long-term impacts are going to take some time for us to see how these investments um, are moving moving the needle for Essex. There now is a social worker at the Essex Library. There's also a push to get rid of rats. And there's a $400,000 plan to replace benches, fix sidewalks, and plant trees along Eastern Boulevard, the community's struggling main drag. We know that street trees have proven benefits for communities that go beyond just the aesthetics. They draw on more foot traffic, they increase revenue for businesses, they improve our air quality. The streetscape project is expected to be done within a year. John Lee, WIPR News. A Baltimore Circuit judge fined Baltimore City State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby $1,500, and she was found to be in contempt of court. The judge ruled Mosby violated a gag order, which prohibited her from speaking publicly about the criminal cases of Keith Davis Jr. when she commented on social media. Bethany Raja has a reaction from the family. Baltimore Circuit Court Judge John Nugent fined Mosby $1,500 for a comment she made in response to a social media post after the gag order went into effect, but Mosby can avoid paying the fine if she holds back on further public comment about the case for 90 days. Davis Jr.'s lawyers also argued that comments she made on WYPR's Midday also violated the order, but Nugent said those comments were made prior to his order being written. 
Outside the courthouse, Davis Jr.'s wife, Kelly, said she was grateful for the ruling. For the last seven years, Marilyn Mosby has willfully denied him a presumption of innocence and has absolutely gone out her way to call him, to to label him things that he is not, um, judicially, legally, and we are just happy that um, today the judge has kind of cloaked Keith with a presumption of innocence. He is innocent into proving guilty. Davis Jr. is facing a fifth murder trial in the 2015 death of Pimlico Racecourse security guard Kevin Jones. Bethany Raja, WYPR News. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WYPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Many thanks to my news team colleagues, Rachel Bay, Shekinah Collier, Bethany Raja, John Lee, Joel McCord, and Kristen Mossbrugger. Our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. If you have a scoop or suggestion for this podcast, my social media hangout is Twitter at That's Pam Jones. So remember to be courageous and stay curious. I'm Pam Jones. Thanks for listening.